Turkey hunting is one of my favorite things. And one of the key tools I use for turkey hunting is the Onyx Hunt Map. I use it incessantly when I'm hunting turkeys. Being able to find a new piece of public or gaining permission on private opens up opportunities for gobblers. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you this spring. Use the code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt. You'll find more birds this season. I'm telling you, I rely on Onyx Hunt. When I'm hunting turkeys, it is an invaluable turkey hunting tool. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Many of you know Axis deer is considered to be the best tasting venison on the planet. I've been hearing that for years. And that those deer cause some ecological harm. Well, Maui Nui Venison is bringing those Axis deer to the market. So you can get some fresh cuts and sticks shipped to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I, venison.com. Use promo code MEATEATER for 20% off your order. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by OnX Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Download the Hunt app from the iTunes or Google Play Store. Know where you stand with OnX. Okay, among others, we're joined by uh, Cody Cannon, Whiskey Myers. What's going on, man? Uh, is that a stage name? What? Was that your name you were born with? Cody Cannon? Yes. Dude, that's a great great name for a musician man you're bound to be a rock star with a name like that Dude, yeah if you were a rock star named steve Rinell, that shit ain't gonna work i think it worked i think cody cannon man you're kind of a rock star well i'm switching to steve fever there you go and i'm going into the music business hard uh having a little copenhagen huh yeah always it's my vice it's one you? of the only vices i have left and i don't think i can give it up that's your flavor yeah spencer did you used to dip you look like a guy that used to dip no really Couple times uh, while out fishing in like 100 degree heat when I was in high that, school. That makes you want to have a dip. Uh, it made me not want to have one ever again. Yeah. I was wondering how long you'd get without addressing his dip in his mouth. Well, I it's didn't, the only thing. I it's the primary be, thing I'm interested in life. And I, I didn't think it'd be the first minute. <laughs> <laughs> that was quick. Oh, the first thing out of my mouth. I saw that coat come out. <laughs> yeah, um, I got a little dip though. This is like church size dip. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> Show, uh, show me your pinch size there, if you don't mind. Whoa. Like I'm saying not at church. I'm saying like Saturday night, half drunk. <laughs> oh, half drunk? Yeah. That much. <laughs> <laughs> the, whole, the whole 10. The upper and the lower. Do, do you ever fill in uh, upper and lower lip? No, no. I ain't that ignorant. That's just pushing bounds. <laughs> yeah. That's just, that's just silly. All right. Chris, introduce yourself. I'm Chris Alexander. I'm the tour manager for Whiskey Myers. Uh, you chew? I do not. I used to. You quit? I 
yeah. Was it difficult to quit? No. I did it when I played baseball when I was in school, and that was when I got done. I stopped. No Some, someone was telling us the other day that they used to actually mix um, gum and chew when they played baseball. The Terry Francona. <laughs> oh, is that what it's called? That's what it's called. Who was telling me this, too? He said it would make such a mess. Oh, Kurt Roscoe. What is that? Like you have great bubble gum on one side and you have... I don't know if it was Big League. You know how, remember (laughs) when we were kids, dude? We like Big League Chew chew a lot when we were kids, man. She had like a pouch of shredded gum. (laughs) He was saying that when he played baseball, they would mix their chew and their gum. And he said when you were out standing there for a game doing that, it would generate so much spit that you would actually have a stained circle around you. (laughs) Like you'd build up a big chew stain area because it would just generate an enormous amount of saliva. I don't don't know if that's a universal name, but we refer to that as the Terry Francona. Is that a famous athlete? Uh, He's a famous baseball manager. Gotcha. So that's a real thing. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I can do that. (laughs) We had a musician in here one time. He was chewing while we talked to him, just like yourself. And uh, we were talking about a full stadium. Which it was explained to us is when you have the upper and lower deck. <laughs> and he said that's not what that's called. It's called a hog nut. Oh, no. <laughs> Which I have no idea what the hell. Yeah, I don't know about that. I've, I've, never, I've never tried it. I guess I'm going to have to try it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm missing out. We'll watch. <laughs> uh, last night, uh, Callahan was over and we were making – some merguez, which is a you probably Corinne, you're you're uh, international enough to know what I'm talking about. That's delicious. Yeah. Did you have you had sumac, right? Not poison sumac. Merguez. No, we didn't is put normally, that in there. No, you didn't. Harissa sauce. Yeah. Okay. Roasted red peppers. Okay. Next um, time you and got we put it. it in lamb casings, which is the yeah. worst thing on the planet to work with. Why is just, it just so dry? Like, no, they're just like it's just they're thin. Okay. But normally, they used to make. They used to make. Not even used to. I think you can still get them. Like if you got a latex allergy, they make condoms out of lamb casing. Huh. I wonder how. Like there's like a, such a thing as a natural a, condom. I've I wonder how effective or not that is. I don't know. It's hmm. bad for the lamb. <laughs> so. <laughs> if, Different uses of the animal. Oh, speaking of which, man, I haven't talked about this. I have a picture of this. I can't tell if I want to put it on Instagram because it won't. It won't perform well and it'll blow my metrics. But uh. We just found, uh, when I was with my kids hunting antelope, we found a coyote dropping. And in the dropping was a lamb cast. It was a castration band. Huh. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. For you listeners at home, one of the ways they castrate, you can castrate stuff is you just take a, I remember this kid I grew up by, Paul Anderson was his name. They did it to their dog. Oof. With rubber bands. Mm-hmm. I haven't talked to that dude in a while. He'd be hard to look up on the internet too, because I got a feeling there's a thousand Paul Andersons. But um, he put rubber bands around his dog's scrow because they knew that they do it in the livestock business. This castration band looks like the size of a wedding ring. It's green rubber, and they'll just snake it around a lamb's. They'll snake it around his little scrow, and it strangles it. And somehow he got tangled up with a coyote, and the coyote ate the castration band. Or whatever. Or he just ate a castration <laughs> brand, which is hard to picture. I think you're wrong. I think your audience would like that. 
Oh, are you a band man or a blade man? <laughs> <laughs> oh, are you in life like this? That's so good. My father-in-law is, yeah. We, we, we do both. We, we cut them and band them. Oh, please. So. Tell me more. I mean, that's... Can you walk us a, through it? What do you guys work with, cattle or sheep? Cattle. Okay, walk yeah. us through the process. I mean, we just... We process them, and when, when, uh, when he buys them, we, you know, we either band them or cut them. I really don't know why we do one or the other, to tell you the truth. I just kind of do what uh, what he tells me to. So, <laughs> but I, I, in great detail, cutting everybody well, can picture, right? You, you still, make an incision and snake you, them out. You still band them. You, uh, you, oh. you there's a tool, and you reach down and you put it around the testicles, and then you take a a, a, a sharp knife or you know a scalpel is what we use, and you just cut. You make two incisions, and they just fall off. You know, within also t- with, the band works in it, conjunction with an incision, right? Over uh, what period of time? Uh, I don't know how long it takes them. Uh, probably, you know, days, maybe a week and they fall off and it's supposed to be better for them. I don't. So I don't what's why. your read now? It's cause you're so educated on this. Let's say you're wandering around with your kids and you find a coyote shit at this time of year, but it's old, like, I don't know how old it was a dry area. So it wouldn't rot. You find a coyote dropping that contains a castration band. That would be a little larger band. In your head, but in your in head, would lamb. you be like, oh, he ate a castration band? Or would you be like, he ate a lamb and thereby got the castration band? I would. I could have jacked a nut. Well, does have, the castration yeah. band fall off eventually with, the, with yes. the, the scrotum? Yes. What's Jake and a nut mean? What? Did you say Jake the nut? I said maybe he just ate the nuts and not the lamb. Oh, I thought I said he jaked a nut. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't know what that means, but I'm going to think of Hog something. Nut, I'm going to think Jake of something nut. that that means. Yeah. <laughs> Another uh, positioning of the chew in the mouth. Yeah. I'm going to think of like, I'm going to do some kind of inventive <laughs> thing and call it Jake and a nut and just act like it's always been called that. Um, so you feel that the band, okay. So when you put the band on, and I know lamb and show me with your fingers how big a castration band is for cattle. I mean... It it goes down when you when you first put it on. It's probably that long, and you hook it, and then whenever you hook it around, it probably ends up you know that big. It honestly. So you could feasibly pass your fist through the castration band, like a bracelet. I would say so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because like I said, this one was like a wedding ring. Right. But here's the thing, I got so curious about it. First, I showed it to some livestock people. My buddy Doug, in particular. And he confirmed that that's a castration band, and then he sent me a link where I could buy that castration band. I could get a hundred of them for a couple bucks if I was in the mood. <laughs> um, they stick you on the tool. Right. Yeah. It's like you buy the tool and get the bands for free, basically. Um, <laughs> so you feel that when he's wearing the castration band, like you, you put the band on to apply pressure, make incisions for him to drop out. Does that band then fall away? It should, yes. Okay. So hmm. it could be on the ground and the coyote ate it, you know? Yeah. How do you know that, like, was there lamb hair there? Like, how do you know it was from a lamb? Because that's the kind of castration band it is. So my wife grew up on a farm, okay. and she had a cat wander into the yard one time, and they were checking out the cat, looking it over. They had never seen it before. And it had a castration band hmm. on it. And so I don't think they're, like, just exclusive to one critter, especially for uh, you don't think farmers. You don't think that a farmer threw that castration band he got into his lamb castration band bin and threw it on a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Dude, there's no. I'm just saying. Okay. Also, okay. I, I cannot rule out. <laughs> Spencer, be like, what if it was on a human? What if What if someone likes the way it feels and it ate a person? 
Like out in ranch country, do I think it was a house cat? No. I don't know. It's a good idea, though. So that, I've talked about this before, but I don't care. I'll talk about it again. We had a cat named Fig. This is kind of a long story. My dad tamed a wild house cat that we named Fig. He tamed it with fish heads because it would come around in the winter and he would just leave out bluegill and perch heads for it after cleaning fish. And he took a great liking to this cat. And he took the cat. There was a guy named Nels. Nels Carlson. Nels Carlson. I think he's a hog farmer. My old man took Fig over to Nels's house. To so Nels, because he's castrated hundreds of pigs. My old man takes the cat over there, and I went with him. My brothers went with him, and they put that cat in a gunny sack. Snipped a hole in the gunny sack and snaked his little scrow out that hole. <laughs> and that cat <laughs> fought him off. They got a nick in the cat. The cat fought him off so viciously that they just said, never mind. The cat <laughs> healed back up and lived its entire life intact. <laughs> fought off a hog farmer. <laughs> Whew. And I remember getting so upset, I went into the house because the cat was just making a ruckus. Yeah. When I worked at the fish hatchery, we used castration bands and tools. On fish? No. <laughs> almost. Almost. When we would ship fish out, say you had like a fry-sized perch, which would be the size of your fingernail, we would put them in these contractor bags that were probably like 13-gallon bags. Mm -hmm. Go water, fish oxygen and then to seal it up to make sure none of those things escaped we would use a castration band with the tool and slide it over the garbage bag or to that's, get a good seal on the garbage that's bag. how we would close it so we use them maybe I he mean, ate a sack of fish maybe hundreds of times a year we'd use that that's cool huh Multi it sounds like, sounds like use, a multi-purpose so. did you ever use the trucks where you just pump them into the lake or anything like we, that yeah we, we would do that if we had bigger fish but this right. this would be an example where we were shipping it across the country uh, to somebody else, and these would just go in FedEx trucks, just like uh, all the crap you get from Amazon, right next to them. Right. Could you use castration bands to do the the those fancy silicone wedding rings you guys do? No, it's not like that because it's um I don't wear a wedding ring at all anymore. Me and my wife both quit. Hmm. Nothing about the status of our marriage. It's just like I don't know, ten years, eleven years. Just over it now. No, I lost mine. <laughs> it's in a it's in an antelope it's probably in a coyote's gut because i lost it gutting an antelope in wyoming last year and just haven't gotten around to getting a new one no women have talked to me or hit on me i'm sorry <laughs> well that's the thing like people would say like you're supposed to you know you wear a wedding ring to say like that you're but i've hit, like i've like achieved an age where um it's just not like I don't need to have like an outward symbol demonstrating that I'm. I just smell kind of like. <laughs> I just look taken. <laughs> I don't need yeah, a yeah, ring to that. help people understand. I just look like just played out. Yeah, I don't need a ring anymore. Um, ha! Huh, a couple things we got to cover. Oh, I have one last thing. Do you guys know the Southern writer? He's he died. Did you know the the writer Larry Brown? You ever hear of Larry Brown? Larry Brown. I'm not sure. What do no. you write? What is what what's his father and son? Um look up Larry. Can you, when you guys mind up looking up Larry Brown's? He had some stuff optioned by the Cohen brothers and stuff. He wrote a book called Fire. 
father and son. Some of his stuff's been made into movies. He was a good dude, man. Um, he was from Oxford, Mississippi. He was a firefighter. And, you know, when you're a firefighter, you have all that time between calls. So he wrote Facing the Music, Dirty Work, Big Bad Love, Joe, On Fire, Father and Son, Faye, Billy Ray's Farm, Rabbit Factory, Miracle of Catfish. That's what I'm fixing to talk about. And Tiny Love. Um, he was a, he worked at a fire barn and would write when all the other guys were like working out and barbecuing and stuff, he would like go upstairs and write. He wrote seven novels before he had one published. He wrote a novel. One of his first novels he wrote was about a man eating bear in Yellowstone park. And he'd never seen a bear and never been to Yellowstone park. <laughs> and eventually got it together. Like I should write about a dude. I should write about like the dudes that I know here yeah. in Mississippi. Yeah. For sure. And the dudes I grew up around. And instead of writing about bears and parks and whatnot, he started just writing about the dudes he grew up around and found like tremendous success. He was telling me this story. Someone mentioned, like you mentioned, dumping fish out of a truck. He was telling me one time about they would have these catfish where they'd raise catfish and they'd have the brood stock or like the big old catfish that would produce the... Mm-hmm. Um, they would produce all the eggs, and now and then they'd have to like let them go, and people would always let them go secretly. And he had somehow gotten a line on where they were letting these old giants go, you know. It would go and fish for them, and then that kind of made its way into a it made a way into a, his a novel that he wrote. Uh, a couple things to touch off on. You should have brought your guitar yeah. because you know why we could you could have written a ditty, yeah, to introduce because we had a we wrote we had a song written to introduce. When Giannis, who's not here right now, he's out on assignment. Um, a ditty to introduce when Giannis does some reporting for us. Would it have to have been about castration bands and snuff? No, you could have done a <laughs> you could have done a ditty introducing Spencer's. This the ditty that we'll, we'll just play it, but the ditty that introduces Yanni's thing is like a little ditty. Then it goes Yanni's book report, <laughs> and you could make a ditty that introduces when Spencer explains something, a show segment. Be like Spencer's Corner. Go ahead, Spencer. Don't don't. don't. Oh, Start oh, with the. You did it. You did it. Oh, you made one up. How's it go? <laughs> I just said the dump 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 dump. That'll work. Uh, start with the flock shooting deal. Then we'll get into the other stuff because you were telling me about that. Oh, this was just like right. This is fresh. Less news. than an hour from where we're sitting. You know, oh, distance wise to to drive there, and it's just from last weekend, which was opener. Um. But there was a, a BMA, which is private land that is leased by the state for public hunting opportunity. Um, and there were, it was reported, 100 hunters flock shooting at a group of elk, which is, is hard to fathom. Can I give a little context of how I, I wasn't there mm-hmm. and I haven't read the article? Yep. But for instance, we had a very early snowstorm. That We had a snowstorm that hit before firearm season opened. And it caused a lot of things that would happen later to happen early. I, I, I the day before that season opened, um, was aware of a herd of 250 elk that had turned up down in a hay field they don't normally, or an alfalfa field they don't normally turn up in. I wonder if it wasn't that a bunch of elk were filling into some area that happened to be a black management, a BMA, and word started to spread. It does. For sure. I've seen that. And people are like, you know where there's a bunch of them. 
So tell us more. Yeah, well, and, and with that snowstorm, we had like two or three days of record lows for most of the state. Specifically, I know Bozeman had record lows, so I, I would imagine uh, you're correct in that these elk showed up in a place they normally wouldn't. Was it weird? We had a record high and a record low within like a couple weeks of each other. When was the record high? Wasn't there a record high around that day that the fire blew up? Oh, well, you're probably right. Yeah. It was real, real I think high. it was a record high for that. Like the day that, right around the day the fire blew up, there was a record high. But a record high just means like that day. Yeah. Like it was the hottest that day ever. That seems pretty par for Montana. Yeah. I follow this uh, National Weather Service account that always shows the high and the low each day in Montana. And it's pretty awesome because there's like a 70 degree difference every Get day. Some big swings. Yeah. yeah. Between like Hardin, Montana, which is out east, and then West Yellowstone. West Yellowstone is like 90% of the time the coldest place in the state. Oh, it's a cold-ass place. Yeah. So with these elk, 100 hunters, <laughs> flock shooting a group of elk, 50 of the elk die. Um, it had to be like a pretty crazy scene. And there was an expectation that... It's like a, it's like a cliff drive. Yeah. I, I think there was an expectation that with all this... Uh, shooting going on and wounded elk uh, and what have you, that there was just going to be a whole bunch of tickets written. Out of the whole thing, there were only five tickets written, I think it was. Uh, Fifty of the elk were killed, and the citations were were fairly minor. Greg Lemon said, we didn't write as many tickets as you'd think. Hunters were (laughs) fortunate (laughs) that not more elk were injured, but he went on to say, unethical hunting even if it's strictly speaking legal, makes all hunters look bad. It kind of gives the hunting community as a whole a black eye. So he was he was saying, despite there only being a handful of tickets, this was not a good deal. This was not on the up and up, this uh, flock shooting of elk. And they said that there were certainly wounded elk that got away. There's just like mm-hmm. not much as far as citations that can be written at this time. Nice work, guys. I've seen that on the news. <laughs> um, was it an organized effort? Like, I don't even know well, that's I don't even it, know 100 people. But that's where... It, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that was my first thought, is how did they get 100 right. people together? I, I talked to a warden once that worked a case where it was, where these guys got onto a herd and were texting, which is illegal. You can't use two-way electronic communications yeah. to coordinate. So if someone was saying like, hey, I'll go around this way, you go around that way, over text or whatever right. that's illegal there, but uh, then you have to start seizing phone records and i don't know there's a couple bmas in that area that i would have in mind like where this took place and there's like major roads that are kind of run through them i would imagine that this happened where like a couple guys started shooting the elk running and just like they happen to pass by more and more people as they went i doubt that it was like 100 people within a you know a couple minute span shooting yeah. is probably was drawn out throughout the morning. Well, and, and I, I mean, I hate to say it, but this Sam is, Lundgren, ladies and gentlemen, this is this is far more common than than we might like to think. I saw um, a very similar thing happen quite a few years ago, um, and I think kind of what happens is like these these elk get pushed out onto their winter range, and then everybody sees them, and everybody's got the same idea. I, oh, I've got the I've got the secret. I know where they're at, and that. That's exactly what happened. We knew where a herd was. We knew where they were going up into the foothills, and we hiked in up above at, in the in the dark. And then, as it was getting light, you know, we're seeing all these elk down in the bottom of this valley. But then there's two hunters over there. There's two hunters over there. There's another guy coming up behind them. They're just we're like, oh well, <clears throat> this wasn't a big secret. We 
everybody else figured this out too. And they didn't really come close to us, but as first light came in, people were just ripping at these things, like right into the herd. There's probably, I don't know, 75 elk, I think 12 hunters. And we probably heard 50 shots in the mm-hmm. first hour. And there was, there was a raghorn bull that got hit in the back legs. It was dragging its back legs across the field for half a mile. And this guy's just like ripping shots at it at 800 yards and miss, 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 miss. It was it was awful, man. It was the it was the worst thing I've ever seen in the field. And we just like, we got out of there mostly because like people were shooting our direction. Mm-hmm. We were trying to get out. And I, I mean, if I, I don't like hunting around other hunters in general, but like it was, it was appalling. Uh, you gotta, one, one of the things you gotta think about when that happens is for each individual, just being present, you can't like condemn someone for being present because like you said, they like noticed a, a, a good play for opening morning. And so what are they supposed to do? Like back out because other people notice the same thing. But then I, I guess the, 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 the part that you're, the, the the actual part would be like if you're shooting into a ball and when they get scared, they start to ball up. Yeah. When you're shooting into a ball of something, I mean, that's, then that becomes the questionable thing. But just the fact that like a bunch of people showed up and you were there too, like you can't like damn someone for that. Yeah. And this area where I was in is, is, is like in the Montana hunting culture is known for this near Anaconda. People call them Anacommandos. No, that's that, good. That guy, that guys will like group hunt these these elk herds on their on their winter range. So I, I think a lot of this stuff happens every year. Maybe not on this scale, but I mean, Cal just sent me a story out of Washington where they like finally caught these guys who would chase elk with uh, chase elk with trucks in, that, in a very coordinated fashion. That's and, the story and I was going to tell. Them. My buddy, my late friend Eric Kern, was hunting the bridges one time, and he was looking down. And watched on an opening day, watched guys come out with trucks and corral a herd of elk and kill a bunch of them. And he wouldn't call. He wouldn't report it. Yeah, apparently uh, apparently locals knew knew about this, knew about these guys for years and years. Um, but there were some kind of prominent ranchers in the group, and it was on private ground. But apparently it was some some out-of-towners who reported it who didn't have, like, the the local repercussions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I got in touch with the warden about that. I'm thinking about running down that story, writing it for the site. Pretty interesting. Spencer, you ought to um, – do you mind calling and getting a hold of that that landowner and asking if he was uh, – asking if he was like, great, because a lot of guys don't want elk eating their crops. Sure. I mean, well, like, yeah, man, good. That's not a big area. It's probably easy to track down. Like, I'd, I, I would happened. love to hear um, his perspective on it. Yeah. He might be like, yeah, I got no problem with it. Or he might be like, dude, I'm not doing this anymore. My brother's involved in a, uh, he's involved in an effort and runs this effort to uh, thank, to, to, to like appreciation days for people, ranchers who enroll in block management. That's so cool. he's found that a thing people need that's expensive and, and like much appreciated are calf shelters. So he puts his efforts into raising money to buy cat or whatever else people need. But in certain areas, it's like an expensive thing that people really want or much appreciated. He tries to buy cat. He raises money to buy calf shelters to give to ranchers who enroll in block management. And then they throw a party for people to come out 
And they try to entertain him, feed him, give him door prizes and gifts in order to help encourage. That guy might need a little morale boost. Well, yeah, and, and that's, that's guy a, might need a couple calf shelters. That's <laughs> a great thing to do, man. And 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 the block the number of acres enrolled in block management has been declining in recent years. And I know that hunter behavior is one of the leading reasons that people will pull land out of that program. So anything hunters can do to to thank folks who let them on their property is is huge. And I always. I always try to try to send a thanks, give some meat or whatever you can do yeah. because it's it's you know it's it's a huge benefit to the to the public. Steve, I thought in the past you've uh, predicted how you will someday die. Was it heart disease that you said that you your prediction was? Well, yeah, because the number one killer of people my age was opioid overdose. And I don't I won't be that. Happened. So I'm going to segue now. I'm segueing now into the heart disease there thing. There you go. Like, as people, you know, like making sausage last night, we were answering like common <laughs> sausage questions. It was like, what about nitrates and nitrates? I'm like, dude, put a little pink salt into some corned elk. I just like, that's not what, like, when I die, they're not, the doctor, the, the medical examiner is not going to be like, was he putting pink salt in his corned elk? It's just not going to be what happens. There's a bonus bit of reporting in this Great Falls Tribune article. This is related to the elk shit? Yeah, yeah, that they snuck into the last paragraph. Guy had a heart attack out there? I have many questions about. It says, Meager County Undersheriff Jeremy West. Mar. Mar? It's pronounced Mar. You say that Mar? Boy, I butchered that then. Dude, I didn't even know. Little Montana history, Thomas Mar. Okay. I uh, lived really? next to that yeah, street, and I was calling it meager for oh, he, a long time. Man, <laughs> you you need to look into 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 Thomas Marr. He he uh he was one of the oh man like first politicians in Montana, but his death was really like mysterious. He got like huh? thrown off a paddle boat in, a in, the, in the Missouri. Uh, uh, like uh, no, like uh, uh, pa- what, what do you call him? He wasn't pa- doing stand-up paddleboarding what, what, back what, what, then. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, like the paddle uh, paddle barges that they take. Oh yeah, up in yeah no, that's a good way to die. Is, it, what, is that oh, the right, yeah. am I calling it the right thing? Paddleboat. But, yeah, yeah. Stand-up pa- paddleboat. Not yeah. sit, yeah. sit down, down paddleboat. Back on, <laughs> on Maverick. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but he he's a fascinating character. There's a bar in Missoula called the Thomas Mar Bar. Hmm. Yeah. So that's spelled how meager. Yeah. M E A G H E R. Dude, I had no idea I about this fella. I was calling it meager for like two years. And then you fixed your system. <laughs> Who corrected you? Juan, you lived in that county? No, 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 oh. no. My, I'm on, I'm on Yellowstone Street in town, and one block over. You weren't mispronouncing that. Is were you? meager Street or, oh, Mar, or or Mar Street? I'm with you now. So whenever I would drive by, there was probably a time where I was like, you know, with a with a friend in the car who knew better, saying. Oh yeah, you just that. Oh, there's Meager Street, and you go down there. Like, what do you mean Meager? And I'm like, it, look, look at the sign, M E A G H E R, and they're like, Corinne, sweetheart, that's just not right. Gotcha. <laughs> Here, let me let yeah. me let me hit you real quick with his uh, his history because it's way crazier than I was suggesting. Um, he was an Irish nationalist, leader of Young Irelanders um, in a rebellion in 1848, convicted of sedition, and sent hmm. to Tasmania. And then he escaped Tasmania and got to the United States. You know, this guy liked to pull a cord. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, then joined in the American Civil War, rose to the rank of Brigadier General. What? You know what that means, Brigadier General? No. That's what Custer was. It means that all the generals are getting killed off and you got to make like temporary general appointments. Uh, I think. (laughs) (laughs) 
Sorry, I wasn't tracking. Yeah, I'm reading. I'm reading about <laughs> no, this. No, so on. he was, was... Uh, appointed to as the Secretary of State of Montana, the Montana Territory, and eventually became the territorial governor. But he, uh, yeah, was uh, he drowned in 1867 after Jeez, falling from man. a steamboat in, in Fort Benton. The cause of his death is disputed by historians with various hypotheses, including weakness from dysentery, intoxication, suicide, or murder. Hmm. Timothy Egan wrote an art, wrote a wrote a book about him. Really? Yep. Before he started to hit it big. Yep. Damn. Told the, you that. The I, I predicted that he liked to pull a cork. Remember? Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> immortal about the bio seemed That's like great. a drinking man's bio, man. <laughs> um. Uh, all right. That's great. So oh. the, the the Mar County undershare. Oh, so you're talking about the Nailed article that, that you got served below this article? No, 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 no. Or they work this into the article. This article. They just work it in in the end. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's like not really relevant, but it's like interesting. And this is what I have more questions about than the the flock shooting of elk. Mark County Undersheriff Jeremy West said one of the hunters in the group later died from a heart complication that was unrelated to the incident. The person's name was not immediately released. That was like a total... so that had to add like chaos on chaos out there. So where did they threw it in though? It wasn't related. Sure, but I imagine like somebody who was maybe also in that area, but like didn't wasn't aware of what was going on. Maybe like saw an ambulance or an airlifted or like a a helicopter. Oh, arriving. they're clarifying and for people. May, maybe I assume so because yes. it, that had to like add questions to this whole event. Yep. And then they're like, "Oh, someone got shot." Yeah, you gotta make some calls, man. You gotta do some <laughs> investigative journalism. Well, now now I'm hung up on Thomas Marr. That, Just work that into your thing. Sure, that that trumps the rest of this. I think. All right, we got. Let's move on quick. So I want, we got good to get good to our guests. We got two things we got to cover. So, just recently we had an episode. What was that episode called? Oh, good, good people for a good country. Yep. We talked about how Utahns. Is that what you would say? A Utah? Utahns. I, think, I don't know. See why yeah. not. Utahns. Is it Utes? No, Utes. Utes well, that's. Well, Utes is a tribe. Oh, that's you're the, right. That's one of the that's football the teams. teams. That's yeah. the college, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's I think well, that's what Utah's named after, though, is that tribe. But I yeah. could be completely wrong. I believe it is. Utahns, um, at, at the election, have a, a ballot measure. And it's whether or not to encode, to codify the right to hunt and fish in Utah. And we were talking about when we were covering this piece of news with a guest from Utah who's, who, who introduced this bill for the state. We were talking about where does this, where do these things find their teeth? Like, let's say a state has a state right to hunt and fish. They have a constitutional right to hunt and fish. Like, what does that mean? Like, where does the rubber meet the road on that? Just so happens that um, we now have the first lawsuit in this state. This is, you know, this is local news for us, but national news for everybody else, I think it's fair to say. Because for the first time, someone's doing a suit, suing the state, the governor, fish and game, various people, using the right to hunt and fish as their argument. What they're doing is th- there's a conservation group. What's the name of that group? I've never even heard of them. I kind of like them, though. Outdoor Heritage Coalition. The Outdoor Heritage Coalition is suing the state 
governor, fishing game office, and others, under the right to hunt and fish thing, they're suing the state for putting a for putting what they regard as being too conservative of a quota around the wolf harvest. It's infringing on their right to hunt and fish because wolves are decimating elk numbers in these areas. So they're saying by you putting an unnecessary cap on the killing of overpopulated wolves, you are infringing on our right to hunt and fish because you're allowing all of our game to get decimated. Which Mm. is sly. You're not buying it. Are they even reaching quotas currently for wolves? I mean, I, I felt like that was like I felt like the bottleneck for wolf reduction was, was wolf hunter hunters. effort because they were hard as hell to kill. Yeah, that was easy for a couple minutes and then it got hard. Yeah, they got smart and they have huge territories and they're just sly bastards. You rarely see them. Just telling you. We'll have to do a follow up report. That's interesting. But I bring it up only because um we were talking about when does it when does the when does like if you have the right to hunt and fish, when does that actually even become a like, it's like, okay, that's all good and fine, but where is it exercised? And so this is an example of someone trying to exercise it. Uh, Sam just pulled up a little map showing um, a map shows which states have a constitutional right to hunt and fish. If you're into conspiracy theories, I think you should explore the fact. <laughs> I would explore the fact that the states, when you look at a U.S. map, where the states that have, uh, do you like how they put it in red? Yeah. <laughs> what color do they use for when you don't? Uh, gray. No, what's it, California? Uh, it, that's for um, legislation on constitutional right to hunt and fish is pending. Oh. Huh. I like it that they put this red. Is a, this red is, is old, you have though. the right to hunt and fish. California is the only blue one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's also Rhode Island. But that's it's pe- so it's it's California's good because it's pending, but they'll never. Anyhow, this is three years old, so that was probably. Defeated. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you're into conspiracy theories, though, you might want to look at this map because the states that have a right to hunt and fish form a circle. Let me see, Sam. With a hole in the middle. Huh. I think there's something to be delved into there. That's not accidental. What are the two gray ones right there in the middle? Of the yeah, circle? that's what he's what talking state? about. What that's that's South Dakota, Iowa, Missouri, and Illinois. So, bunch of no Iowa, good lefty anti hunting. Missouri and gray Illinois so don't have though. the right to hunt. Those are big. Well, big the constitutional ones. right. Okay. You know, th- th- there's there's the right to hunt and fish in all of these states, but some some states have have chosen to say that it's like you know it's a God given right that you can right. that you can hunt and fish, which. Yeah, I, I'm. I've always been interested to know like where the rubber meets the road there, like like what, how you use it. Yeah. So I mean, if if that were to pass in California, like the only thing that comes to mind is how California, you know, banned fur trapping last yeah, year. But even in covered. Utah, would that, dude, would that well, here's the, here this be out. unconstitutional. Then? Even in a hard hit and hunting and fishing state like Utah, um, he they didn't put trapping on there because they didn't want to muddy the waters and lose popularity. But he said it's mm. actually it's there's an implicate there, it's like implied to cover trapping and should be used. But if you put trapping on there, it'll lose support. That's interesting. That's where you got to use it to because yeah. because this says that Montana has a constitutional right to hunt and fish, which I did not know. But I mean, it makes sense. But <clears throat> yeah, there's that legislation introduced like every time to ban trapping on public land. Mm-hmm. So I wonder where that where that falls. Because they're too chicken to put trapping on there. 
Dude, I'm going to, once I get done fighting Hunter's Orange Laws and get the whole, everything reduced to just the Hunter's Orange hat is all you need, I'm going to take up uh, Right to Trap. I'm with you. Uh, What else do we want to talk about that? Not much to say about that. Um, If you're in Colorado and you were one of the, what I'm predicting to be, you were one of the minority of people who voted against making the state draw up a wolf reintroduction plan, I applaud you. Because they're arriving on their own. They're there now anyway. That's the path to take. That's the path to take. So thank you, even though you, I'm sure you lost. Uh, one last thing, guys. Are you okay? I'm good. One last thing. Okay, hit it. Spencer. Oh, wait, we need the intro. What thing? The, the last thing? I don't remember. I don't remember. I lost it. Oh, speaking of suing people. How's that for a segue? I get, I sent you the article to do a little report on it. Oh, I, I don't have anything to report. You, you're going to be able to produce a better report than I. Okay. One of the things, um, right now, I'm extremely uh, disheartened with the Trump administration over their decision to lift roadless rules in Tongass and open up like half of Tongass National Forest to logging and road building. That's a pisser. Yep. But what I have been applauding them for is opening up a bunch of U.S. wildlife refuges where appropriate, opening up hunting and fishing on a bunch of U.S. wildlife refuges and fish hatcheries and stuff. So creating more acreage for Americans to hunt and fish. The uh, Center for Biological Diversity is suing them so that they can't trying to stop that from happening under the endangered species act, which I'm interested to see that complaint. I, because they didn't open it up to hunting endangered species. I know that's the thing. I think these people haven't read the, I think that the, the center for biological diversity hasn't read up on what it is. I think like, Oh, they're going to start hunting endangered species. They can't do that. It's like, no, they're not going to start hunting endangered species. They're allowed to hunt the normal shit that everybody gets to hunt per state rules on refuges where it makes sense, which you can already do in a bunch of them anyway. Yeah. It opens up an additional 3,600 square miles. You can hunt shitloads of refuge land already. It's opening up some additional ones, and they assume as though this is one of those groups that, like, there are a lot of things. One of the things they are is an anti-hunting organization. Every, you will never, I, I challenge a listener to send me a thing where the Center for Biological Diversity hasn't taken a knee-jerk reaction against hunting. No, that's what they do. But they're like, when I tell friends, oh yeah, it's like an anti-hunting group. Oh no, they're not. I'm like, okay, they're, they are, it's not their like mission, but they emerge as a nitpicky, like a very nitpicky, like And highly litigious. Issue. Yeah, any issues, like, let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. They're going to be, their stance will be antagonistic to the interests of hunters and fishermen. Maybe I'm wrong. Is there any national fish hatchery that you can hunt on? Well, there's, not that I've ever done, but I know there's some fish hatcheries that have some sizable holdings. And it, it wouldn't be in there if it wasn't. I haven't looked at I haven't looked at the fish hatchery component, but yeah, there's probably some fish hatchery that's got a couple thousand acres. Yeah, know. man, there's some giant ones in Washington that I wouldn't be wouldn't be at all surprised to know that hunting was allowed and totally would fit in with the management. 
Now, fishing to fish hatchery, that could be good. <laughs> well, in, in Washington, in Washington, that's the whole point. Jeez, I got another one. You're always people are always piled up right around the the hatchery hole. We used to call it the. There's one particular one we called the the crack pipe because there was just this one cast that you wanted to make because all these steelhead would pull in right below the outflow of the hatchery because they get that they get that scent you know that they they come back to, and you could you had if you could make this one tricky cast up into into the concrete outflow of the hatchery, you would catch a steelhead <laughs> nearly every time. Yeah, and probably be really excited about it. Yeah, yeah. So a bit more on this, then we're going to wrap this up. So the, the in this country we have, in the, in the U.S. of A., we have 550 wildlife refuges. Um, this, this move, this additional 3,600 square miles, will bump it up to where you can now hunt on 430 refuges, 430 of the 550. You can fish on 360 of the 550. has implications for people in 37 states. I think it's a common misconception in in the, in the public sphere that wildlife refuges exclude hunting. I mean and and honestly the the naming isn't isn't that great. You know, it seems like a ref a refuge where animals can go flee from us horrible hunters or no, something it's where they go I've to been, flee from development. Yeah, absolutely. And and I I've I've corrected people on this tons of times that like this is this is habitat refuge. This is this is undeveloped land. This is but it's 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 meant for the it's meant for people's enjoyment and there are I mean how like half of Alaska's national wildlife refuges. I mean not half, but like giant giant portions and all of it's wide open to hunting. So I think, I think there's a, I think there's a broad misunderstanding that we could correct, uh, you know, in the, in the public eye that, that hunting is a, is an important management tool on our national wildlife refuge system. Yeah. You know where I bet I'll be allied with the center for biological diversity. I bet you, I could guarantee they're annoyed about the Tongass ruling. I'm certain they are. So maybe me, maybe we can find a little friendship and hug over that. Hey man, it's a struggle to find time to manage one's finances. It's a struggle to find time to manage my finances. You go through like a busy week, and the last thing you want to do is spend time budgeting, you know, your expenses and tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions you're paying for that you don't use but now you use rocket money and does all of that for me i'll tell you this this happens all the time in our family because like something will come out that we want to watch and they lure you in with a one month trial and you're like oh you know i'll do the one month trial then i'll come back and cancel then i can watch this whole thing and then like you don't you forget about it and then and then a year goes by and you've been paying these guys 12 bucks all year and never watched a single thing this finds that stuff and gets rid of it for you Rocket Money is a personal finance app. It goes in and finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings instead. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all the app's features. Stop wasting money 
on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Again, rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Hey, I've said it before and I'll say it a thousand times more. If you got a family and you got people that rely on you, you need to take life insurance seriously. And Policy Genius is the country's leading online insurance marketplace. So with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars in coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Your life insurance policy you know, that you get at work may not offer enough protection for your family's needs. Policy Genius gives you unbiased advice from a licensed expert support team. Now, this is super convenient, right? Because a lot of times, you know, something like life insurance, you're just going to put it off because you're like, when will I ever have time to do that? I don't even know who to talk to about it. Well, this helps you do it online. Okay, again, you're comparing options from top companies, all right? Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Here's a question for you, Cody Cannon, Whiskey Myers. This is going to, don't tell Corinne I asked you this. Okay. I'm not asking you what any songs mean. <laughs> but why is it offensive that people ask you what a song means? No, I didn't say it was offensive. We were talking about. You said you hate it. Yeah. But uh, tell me I, what. I, 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 I don't, 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 don't want to know it. what they mean, but why does that um, bother you? Because I would feel. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, no, we were just talking about how people take, uh, how you can write a song and people. I'm a, I wrote it, and I think it means one thing. You got a different idea of what it meant because it meant something different to you. You, yeah. it's all different. And I think there's some magic in that. I think that's neat. Oh, so I don't, I don't yeah. like. Sometimes it's like an, I see they what always you're saying. Ask that question, and it's like, nah. Yeah, I want to. I want to have your interpretation. I, I'm with you now. They're like, uh, when I hear this, it gives me this feeling of I sent my brother a song. Uh, and that's 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 cooler. It's like similar. abstract art. Yeah. It's like it's it's in the eyes of yeah. the holder, and it could be so far out in left field, and you're like, yeah, that's oh, not see, about that's all. a nice. But it, it means that to them, and it, like, what did I say? I said it was like when you read a book and you have a character in your mind, and you see the movie, and they don't look anything mm-hmm. like that. Oh. It's like the same thing. Example. It's like the, it's like ah. Yeah. You ever watch the movie The Road? Yeah, 
I don't you know, in the I end, don't think so. Yeah, Cormac McCarthy's the road. In the end, it's, you know, little boy's dad dies, and he wanders out to a road and gets picked up by this guy. And Cormac McCarthy describes him in the book as being like, he looks like he survived many skirmishes. And anyways, the dude in the end of the movie, I'm like, that's not who that is. <laughs> yeah, it's the same, yeah. I was like, I had, that's way off. Yeah. The, it, the image I built with very little information. <laughs> See, I read that book after reading the movie or, or after watching the movie. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, which I hate, which I hate doing because then the movie informs it because the, and yeah. then you don't have, there's less creativity going in on yeah. the reader's perspective. That's a really, jo- I, I like that answer. I was expecting yeah. to be annoyed by your answer, but that's a great answer. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't hate it, but it was just like, I like it to be open into interpretation, especially on some songs. I don't have any specific ones in mind, but you know, people get different different ideas and I think that's cool. Well, I was telling him this morning that that his song Frogman must be about fishing frog baits for bass. <laughs> that's what it that's what it means to me and ain't when nobody going to yeah. tell me different. Yeah. <laughs> and what did you hear clear. in response? He said, "Uh-huh." <laughs> <laughs> I sent my brother uh you ever hear uh Sturgill Simpson cover that song when you need a friend. Yeah, the promise. Yeah, the promise. Oh yeah, yeah. I sent it to my brother and he wrote me back saying how it reminded him of his first dog. It felt like it was about or reminded him of his first dog dying. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, you can't say, well, that's not what it's about, by God. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's cool to say. I know people want to hear that sometimes, but sometimes it's like, I oh, just let it just let it be, you know. Especially, like, before the album comes out, we'll do a lot of questions and stuff, and they'll be like, I want you to explain each song and stuff like that it's like nah but that feels so reductive it right it's like yeah tell me tell me literally what the thing is so that this is how i'm supposed to think and feel about it instead of having your own uh, relationship to hearing your music yeah thousand percent that's that's what that's what i meant um do you are you able to share with fans and listeners like if they say here's what i think about when i hear it um, do you then have, do you then refrain from saying, that's great. Um, I love it. You're right. Here's what I was thinking. Or do you not even do that? Uh, you'd, you'd be pulling the Trump card. No. Nah, yeah. It's just, like I, Trump, I like, don't remember. I probably like had different like, responses to it, but it's, it's cool. Whatever they think or, or more than that, they would probably ask, ask you like, Hey, what does this mean? And that, that's cool. You know? But, uh, you know, not necessarily in like an interview telling everybody what it's supposed to mean. They're like, did that mean that? And it's like, no, it was actually about this. That's like a little bit different. So that's how I would do that. I see your um, colleague here has a Stones tattoo. Oh, yeah. Did you get that? That was right after the show. I got it literally. I got it in Seattle that day. Really? Yeah. After we we played Immigrant here in Montana. I was at that show. Went to... Went to Soldier Field, played that, and then we circled back around to Seattle at the, I guess, the Neptune, and then I got it there. Yeah. Chris, introduce yourself. Um, Chris Pogue, uh, content creator for Whiskey Myers. That that was a big deal, huh? When you was it cool to when you guys tell people a bit about that you uh, wound up having sort of a, a um a sort of endorsement of sorts from the Stones. Yeah, just uh, we got to open up a. A show for them at Soldier Field in Chicago. Uh, and it's just one of those things that's like, they say once in a lifetime, that's like a never in a lifetime <laughs> thing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they, they pick and, 
and approve. I think Mick does all the all the bands that get to open for them. So just to be able to do that was was that's really cool. special. Uh, and that's a they were a huge influence uh, to me personally in the band. Also, you know, it's one of my favorite bands, if not my favorite band. Yeah, how time. could the best stuff about America? be written by some British dudes. Yeah. Hey, but they were right. Yeah, but their like they, they understood was, America way better than Americans. Well, they were trying to sing the blues, man. Yeah, yeah. And they love blues and country music, and they come from America, come from the South. Yeah, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. You they think were, that they were like, you think they had lived like six lifetimes in America? Yeah, yeah, they're great. Um, it, put it this way, like Jamie, our bass player, said, we're talking about how, how cool you know it would be. He was like, we could go and play Soldier Field and sell it out, and it still wouldn't be as cool as playing Myers with them. Oh. Yeah, but yeah, the, as opening for the Rolling Stones at Soldier Field, so it was, it was great. Which one of your bandmates is laid up right now from crashing a UT, from crashing a side by side? What's that all about? That's John, man. John what were you, you got, and you guys were hot dogging, not hot dogging. I, I wasn't there. You weren't even present. No, yeah, he, he definitely was. John's always kind of been reckless with an ATV. Get a little closer so. to your mic. I said, uh, John's always <laughs> been reckless with an ATV, so he, he was definitely hot dogging. It was definitely. Uh, and what? Who's this now? John? Was he playing? His name's John Jeffries. He's our guitar player. Oh. Um, so was, tell what happened. He was, it was in the pursuit of game. He was running down a herd elk. <laughs> he was literally. He went to go cut one donut from a dead stop, and he rolled it, and uh, and he didn't have his seatbelt on. So he's kind of like, watch this. Pogue was actually with him, and he was buckled in. Thank goodness. So he he they. Pogue said they rolled three times. John said they rolled once. We don't really know. So nobody saw it except for them. But uh, oh, there's a dispute about whether it was three rolls or one roll. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, he's at a standstill. And he's like, let's cut a cookie for no reason. He was on one of these like jacked up, like it was a, it's a Polaris razor. It's like this big jacked up kind of top heavy top yeah, vehicle. They anyway. are very and easy so, to flip. And it's very powerful. So he just gunned it. And when he did, it just completely flipped over. And I don't think he, he, he definitely didn't think it would do that. Cracked his skull. It did. It was pretty serious, yeah. actually. It, he, it is was, fine. he is fine. He's fine. Though, by he's, the way, he'll be, he's going to make a full recovery. Yeah. He's fine. <laughs> yes, he's good. He's very good. Uh, how, what's your, What's your guys' connection? Um, like, like, how did you get into hunting and fishing? Were you into hunting and fishing before music? Yeah, way before. So talk through that. Uh, like, the, you're like, I kind of like to hunt and fish, but I kind of like music. Yeah, I would. Music was so foreign to me. I always it was. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. I loved, you know, music. You listen to music. Your parents listen to music as a kid, but nobody. What'd your parents listen to? Um, you know, Skinner, Hank Williams Jr. Alan Jackson stuff like the typical stuff like that. You oh, man, you're throwing Alan Jackson in with Skinner and Hank Williams Jr. <laughs> well, yeah, I would say yeah. That would Liberace. probably be that would, that would probably have been the like Beach the, Boys. They would have you know like some you know old rock, old country, and then they would have been listening to like the current stuff. Well, I'm with time. you. Okay, yeah, no, yeah. no, that was a good job. That was a good job. Uh, I don't know why I questioned that, but yeah, that all makes sense. You were so, conveying like a variety, yeah, uh, rather yeah. than a style of yeah, yeah for sure because we have a. A lot of variety, I think. How old are you? I'm 35. Okay. Um, So, yeah, but playing music was kind of foreign to me because nobody in my immediate immediate family really played music or instruments or anything like that uh, or were ever in a band. But we always fished and hunt. So if you would ask, like, my younger self, I would have thought it would have been, what would you do when you grow up? I would probably be like, oh, I'm going to fish and hunt, not play music. (laughs) And then that just kind of Did you grow up kind of poor or what? Yeah, we weren't super poor, but I would say, you know, 
middle class or lower middle class. Like my mom cut hair. My dad worked at, you know, it was like a prison guard. So that's hmm. not super lucrative jobs. But did we your, weren't going hungry dad, or anything like how did that. You, how did your dad handle being a prison guard? Was he the, did he get that kind of like anger or was he no well he, he was cool where we're from not that he was not that that's not cool but i'm saying like that that's a taxing job i guess is what i'm getting at yeah it's hard on it people. can be because yeah they have to deal with a lot of crazy stuff but where we're from that's like i think like everybody in my Tons. family worked at the prison because there's like seven prisons outside of our area and so when you're from our area you either leave or you work for walmart or, or the, the prison. prison system and explain that's your about area it. So we're from uh, Palestine, Texas, around around there. I'm actually from Natchez, which is about 10 miles, uh, 15 miles outside of Palestine, which is just in East Texas. You two grew up together, right, Chris? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we grew up playing uh, playing baseball when we were young, since we were probably four or five. Yeah. So that's kind of how we that's kind of how we met. And then we, bass fishing was always real big for us whenever yep. we were growing up. And like our uh, our dads would take their vacations around like when we were on spring break, and mm-hmm. we would go to Lake Fork. Every year, just we fish would, bass. We would camp. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. was awesome. I want to hear. Uh, I want to hear you tell the audience about our, about your thoughts on eating bass. I said it's a sin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. You know, people get all you know touchy about that, and and I, I don't. You know, if, if that's what you want to do, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Uh, but I always throw them back. You know. But have, you, if, have you ever eaten a largemouth? I don't. Remember, I, I'm sure I have when I was younger, but not recently. Uh, or anything. So you guys knew each other at four or five, and that was, and you were yeah. already fishing. Fishing yeah. was in your families. Yeah. Did you guys have Did you guys have boats and stuff back then? Or were you like bank fishermen? Yeah, my dad had an old champion that we like we a, like a bat like rigged oh, out yeah. for bass. Yeah, it was, yeah. I never had a boat until I was older, so it was just pond hopping. Unless I got to go with like with y'all or, or like some of my dad's friends or something. But yeah, fishing and hunting. I mean, that's how we grew up. That was just in our DNA. It's just it's like breathing. Did you guys eat? Uh, I know you didn't eat those bass, but you guys <laughs> grow up eating eating game and stuff yeah. around the family table. Deer, ducks, um, fish. You know, yeah, crappie, crappie, catfish, stuff like that. Dove. And then, but uh, your your parents split up when you were young. Yes. Yeah. How'd that play out? Um. Well, see, I don't, I don't I mean know, like I, you don't need to tell yeah, me what happened no, between them, but I mean how did even, it impact you? How did so it impact long. your interests and whatnot? Um. Far as fishing and stuff, that I, I mean, it was still the same for me. But uh, my mom remarried uh, my stepdad now, and he was a super big hunter, and so oh, we, really? we actually hit it off, and we've been like best friends ever since. And we would go. So that all wasn't the, the problem. Together. The hunting so, wasn't the problem. No, yeah, that didn't affect that at all. Yeah, I think a lot about. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I think a lot about if I was to pass away all of a sudden, um, heart disease. Like let's say I died right now, opioid addiction. Let's say I OD'd right now on opioids. I'm like, would I rather my wife wound up with a dude like my brother or something? Right? They're married, but let's say, like some dude like basically exactly like me, or would I rather she wound up with some dude way different? Yeah, not near as cool. Just <laughs> way different. <laughs> like which is uh which is more palatable for me? Ooh, I don't know. I don't think about that. If it was a dude way different, I'd be like, uh, boy, uh, we must have been way mismatched <laughs> or something. I, I see what you're But saying. if it was a dude just like me, I'd be like, oh, sweet. So I, like the basic parameters were okay. 
So yeah. yeah, so she wound up like with another hunter. Yeah. Did you have to? Did you feel like if you if you're growing up and you have a stepdad and a dad, and they both like to go hunting? Yeah. Was there, did that create like jealousy and stuff with your dad? No, I was real fortunate. Uh, there was never any animosity. Everybody got along, and they still get along in my family. So I know that wasn't a bad thing really? where, you know, this side hates that side or anything like that. I, that's I one very, thing. That's very, one very thing I would fortunate. not be able to stomach, dude. Yeah. No. Some other guy taking my kid out. Yeah. Whew. No, everything was. Yeah, they always got along and stuff, hmm. which is good, you know. You had Chris. You had the same situation, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that, uh, our parents actually got a divorce around the same yeah, time. Yeah, that's what I Chris was talking about. Our, uh, our dads were roommates there for a while, so Cody yeah. and I kind of lived together when we were mm-hmm. in sixth grade. That's for you're, you're sixth brothers, grade, like, actually. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah. You guys really stuck together. Yeah. All of us really known each other in the band for the most part forever. We're just all from the same area. We grew up together, you know. What's it like uh, now that you're, you know, you're, you've had some – Hat and I had having success and kind of like doing this thing that isn't on the radar of people you grew up around. Is it uh, challenging? Is it like that you lost your way and you're not one of us anymore? Like, does that kind of stuff go on? Uh, I don't know. I don't, not to our face, at least. Um, we haven't changed very much. We're kind of the same. I mean, obviously, we're older and been around the world, so you change a little, little bit, but uh, I keep my blinders on. Uh, it sounds fake, but it's real. I mean, we all do. Like, I, I don't care about any of it. I just go out and do my do my thing. Um, You kind of have a, a little bit of a reputation for... I want to get back to how you got into music, so don't forget that. But you have a, you have a reputation as uh, kind of playing by your own rules a little bit. Mm. Yeah. And, and being leery of, not antagonistic toward, but maybe leery of, shy about industry stuff. Yeah. Like maintaining control and all that. Yes. Do you feel that that's kind of like, is that like an artistic thing or is that like a thing from growing up how you grew up? I'd say both. Um, yeah, we. I mean, we just wanted to do our own thing. We wanted to play our own music. Some people get into music, I think, and they want to be famous. You mm-hmm. know, they don't care. They want to be famous. Like that's Rich the end. That's, that's, that's the, the, that's end the goal. goal. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but I don't think anybody in our band had that ever in mind. It was like... It's what you did. We we played music. We're in a band now. That's what we do. And it was important for us to have our own style and have our own control. And I think that probably has to a little bit to do with your upbringing or being a little bit, you know, ignorant redneck. No, hell with that. I'm going to do it my own way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was very important. It's still important to us. So that's why we've never signed any record deals or anything. We've always been independent and we always want to be. I think I do. I don't. It's like, why the hell do I want a boss? Do you, do you field a lot of calls about signing record deals? We have, we've had, we'd have have had opportunities and stuff like that, and we just, it's just not for us, you know. Especially with a band like us, we we're a little different, you know. We don't fit a certain genre, a certain style, and I don't think they would even know what to do with this. What you know? what genre would you like self-identify with if you if you had none? To? I don't even like genres. I think. I think that's just a, like a thing for selling. It just makes yep. it easier for people to put it in a box and sell it, you know, for marketing and stuff. Uh, I'm not big on genres because like all the stuff that I like musically had so much, like for the the Stones, for example, like they wrote some of the best country songs ever. Oh, yeah. 
blues. It was rock and roll. Yeah. It was pop. It I, was I wanted like to get a shirt that says, my favorite country band's a rock band. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Skinner. So many different influences. Even stuff like Waylon Jennings and stuff. That was rock and roll to those people back then in the country scene. Mm-hmm. So I was always a big fan of people who did different stuff. Isn't it funny with like Waylon, that if you read about Waylon, now people are like, oh, I hate country. Yeah. Except for that Waylon Jennings. <laughs> and when Waylon's Jennings time, it was like, that ain't country. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. really like the, the, you know, uh, I should tell you this about genres. It's kind of this interesting story. Uh, when I was in school, I took this class called the literature of natural history. And you read everything from, you know, like Henry David Thoreau, you know, like Walden and shit all the way up into a book about what was called like bioengineering or something. Basically how engineers can look at cobwebs and, and make structural, you know, like honeycomb right. would give you like ideas about how to make structural design. Okay. Anyhow, this guy that taught this class was Hank. Uh, I wish I could remember his last name. He died. Him and his wife both drowned in a canoeing accident. Um, shortly after I took that class, they had a cabin out on an island. were paddling out there and flipped and died. But it brings up an interesting thing with the genre question because he was really interested in this idea of natural history writing. And he would find that these books that he loved so much were hard for people to locate and hard to identify. And as an example, he would go into a bookstore and find like, Books that should be together were scattered all around. And he actually contacted the Library of Congress, where they come up with like the, 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 the numerical systems to identify books. He contacted the Library of Congress and said, you guys have a problem where you're not seeing what makes these books like the same. And you need to find a way for bookstores and other people to like draw these parallels between these, this type of literature. And then they, they actually invited him down. He did like a sabbatical and went down to design a, to design a genre of literature. And you might instinctively like hate that kind of stuff, but in, in some way it like helps people locate things. Yeah, it definitely um, it does for sure. But just from the artistic side, I don't like to – I would guess to answer that question, it would be kind of rock and roll country and, and blues would be the, I think, our three main influence type thing. That would be the best. But as far as, like, putting a lane on it, I, I don't think I could put a, a, you know, a specific genre. I know you didn't you didn't say Red Dirt Country, but I imagine you've yeah. had some dealings, like, with that industry. With what? Yeah. Right? yeah. Red, Red Dirt Country. Oh. Yeah. Well, explain uh, from, that to me. Um, I don't know. You guys would do a better job than me. Explain yeah, that. so I, I guess that would be kind of a subgenre. Um, Red dirt. Very, uh, how did I never like, hear of this? Very popular in Texas. Would, yeah, where Texas you guys are and of. Oklahoma and the Midwest and stuff like that. And a lot of those guys, it's the same. It's kind of rock and it's kind of country. It's just, it kind of takes everything a lot similar to like Americana. It's yeah. kind of like that. From the outside, like uh, Red Dirt Country is a lot more wholesome and it's real and it's not like mainstream country, which is like super fake and sellouts and stuff. Yeah, is it's that, more gritty, I feel like. Is, is yeah. that the case? You don't think like, mainstream country is wholesome? <laughs> is is that the reality, though, that like Red Dirt Country is what it seems and it's like it's not like mainstream country or or do they like have the same kind of bullshit that you'd expect? Um, well, anytime you get into any, anything at all, there's a little bit of bullshit. 
But no, it, I think it's very honest, kind of pure still. Um, and a lot of those guys, especially when we were younger, like the Jason Bolins and, and the Ragweeds and Reckless Kellys and stuff like that, they they were they were they were different, you know. And so I think I don't know if they necessarily I don't know exactly how the name got it, you know, where it come from. I'm sure people even old, you know, older than them. I, I'm not sure about that, but uh, I know it's you know called that now. But yeah, it was just kind of the independent mindset, you know. But but like for somebody who likes Red Dirt Country, they can continue to like it because it is like what it seems, right? Yeah. It's not like the, yeah, for sure. Good. Yeah, I like I don't, I'm not following what you're getting at. Thing. There's some bands. I, I don't know if you'd be. No, I, I get the I get the whole thing with like Red Dirt Country, Kelly, Bart yeah. Crow. But I'm saying like, like when you say like not what it, that you can follow. I don't get it. It's it's not like Luke Bryan, Kenny Chesney. Folks like that. You're saying like sometimes in mainstream, you're getting a product that's not even controlled by the artist. Yeah, that's yeah. really put together and not even them. It's like very We're manicured. Dirt, it is independent and it's whether whatever that band sounds like, it is actually realistically them. And I, I think I think 100. percent Yeah, so, like, like yeah. Luke Bryan would talk about shooting bucks, Copenhagen pickup trucks, stuff like that. Right? Somebody probably wrote that because you think for someone him. was like, "Hey, here's some keywords." Sure, sure. But yeah. like Red Dirt Country is just like, like I said, I don't know, a little more honest. What if they talk Sam's about Copenhagen? Yeah. Then, then they actually choose right Then Copenhagen. they actually choose yeah. Copenhagen. <laughs> oh. You think you might not like the cope. <laughs> right. But I'm kind of curious about, uh, you know, what, what, what is going through the minds of artists or non-artists when they feel more comfortable defining themselves within a genre and what it is you feel like you might be bucking up against or not wanting to accept when people like are trying to right. are you this and this do you hit these this category and this like what is that what does that feel like for you? And Sometimes what you, you can just against? listen to an artist and you say, yeah, that's a rock and roll band. That's what it is. You can say, oh, that's country. That's straight up country. You know, uh, Cody Jinks, great, pure country. That's country, you know, where somebody like us, I mean, one song might be country and the next song's like like mud and we're, in, we're like <laughs> drop C or something, almost thrashing. So that's where it would be hard for me to do that because we do kind of go all over the place. And so I don't think you could say it's country or rock yeah. and roll. It, would it you say that's, that's more authentic to like how you feel in a day and a song expresses like a mood and then it expresses and you can that that, that you're just expressing as a band all these kind of different. Yeah, I think we just had a bunch of different sides, influences yeah. and we decided to play whatever the hell we wanted yep. to. And so that's kind of why it's like that. When we saw you guys um, at the old saloon in Immigrant last summer, I know me and all my friends were were a little bit taken aback because I think I think you had you know your, some of your ballads have have become a little bit more more prominent and popular yeah. and you know really beautiful, really really captivating. But you guys rocked out way harder than yeah. we were Especially expecting. Live. Yeah, yeah, uh, and so it. it, it we were we were going there expecting more more of like a more of like a full you know country kind of show and it was a full on rock show. Yeah, especially live. It, it yeah, we we like to rock. It's fun, especially for the live things. People gravitate towards the ballads and slow songs. That's just people. People like sad songs. That's just kind of yeah. how it is. There's even I a song it. I like called "Sad Songs." Yeah, I think I've heard that. Lou before. Reed's "Sad Songs." Yeah, yeah. Um, it's true. It's a true statement, man. People dig sad songs. They He's like, oh, you ballads. want a sad song, do you? 
I'll yeah. call this song Sad Songs. <laughs> um, what percentage of, and I'm not going to ask you what any shit means, but what percentage <laughs> you can ask me, man. <laughs> what percentage of your music would you say is informed by is informed by hunting, fishing, outdoor pursuits, like even even in terms of the uh, vernacular? I think a lot of vernacular. I don't think I don't have any songs about hunting and fishing per se, but they'll they'll say stuff in them. You know, gasoline has a line yeah. in it. Uh, I think Frogman has a line in yeah. it. Um, Ballad of a Southern Man has that line in it. So there's there's things that you could tell. Yeah, like like know. like like terminology or references yeah. or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, but not necessarily like, hey, I'm going fishing today. Yeah, yeah, one of my favorite lyrics of his. <laughs> Dude, that's anyway. a good hook. That's a good hook. I'm taking that shit, man. Well, that one starts with, that in my hook I don't mind work and I love to fish. Talking and to you, I've Daniels been known Bell. as a son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. I, that, the first time I heard that, I'm like, yeah. yeah I, I resonate with that. Yeah. Uh, do you, this is something I always like to ask people who are like somewhat in the, in a, in a, at least somewhat or all the way in the public eye. Um. Do you, a lot of people who are interested in the blood sports, um, get to a point where they feel they need to draw some separation because it, it's a liability. Yeah. I'll never be like that. Mm-mm. But do you understand why they do it? Yeah. hundred percent. Have you, have you been in a situation where you're like, God, it'd almost be easier if I just like wasn't associated uh, not like too, too hot to a touch. little bit. It's kind of like, uh, our European fans are not down with hunting and stuff like that, but it's, it just comes from ignorance. Like when I, when I had all those pictures <laughs> of the hogs and stuff like that, you know, they were like, everybody was bitching and stuff. And I was like, well, shit, I guess I shouldn't even have posted that. But, uh, well, you thought that for a minute. Yeah. But I mean, you know, whatever. Uh, but not to just be like, oh, I'm not going to hunt and all that stuff. No, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I would never do that. I, that's just who I am. I, I'm not. I'm not changing. I have no interest in changing to be bigger or famous or have more money or anything like that. I'm completely fine with how I am. Do you? Where do you draw your main? You mentioned like hearing from European fans. You mean like in social media comments? Yeah, supposedly they were like up six. We killed a bunch of pigs, and it, <laughs> that comes from ignorance. They didn't know that they're one an invasive species. So yeah. they shouldn't even have been there. And yeah, we shot know. a bunch of ducks yesterday. They're not yeah. invasive. Yeah. But they probably would freak out about that, too. Huh. But uh, that was really it. I don't think we've had a lot of backlash other than that. But I don't have social media or anything like that. So even if they were talking a lot of shit, I wouldn't hear about it unless somebody told me. <laughs> what's your main, uh, what's the main way you communicate with, what's the main way you, like, communicate with fans? Or, like, how do you know, like, what they're thinking? Uh, I think Pogue. Hotel somebody. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't so know. someone says, heads I, it, goes, up. it goes back keeping my blinders on and doing my thing, you know, try not to be influenced by that. Yeah, but there's got to be some element of like some, some metric that you look at. Mm. Nah, I don't. Unless really? they tell me, nah, I'm just doing my thing. Should I, I guess I should be listening to somebody else. I don't know. We just do our thing, man. Well, I mean, what are they going to tell me? Like, oh, you should write this song. You know, like, I'm not listening to that. I don't that. know what they'd tell you. Yeah. Something. I mean, yeah. What I feel it? it's not hard. That someone would say, you know what? In the position you're in, you know what you ought to do. Yeah. You never get that. I don't, nah. Not too much. <laughs> no. 
what what is a stereotypical European fan like? Is it like me and Sam Lundgren or no no uh, they're great fans but they just don't see uh, a lot of our American fans would understand more of the the gun side the hunting side and stuff uh, where they might like our music but they don't they don't see the same at all so that would be the only difference. I would say I've had those conversations with yeah. Europeans, man, and I really, I really feel like you know th- that cult. Those many of those cultures have just become so divorced from hunting. Yeah, and it's it's the way that hunting's always been managed over there. It's always private land. It's always been kind of the realm of the aristocracy, mm-hmm. and it, it's 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 usually not that people are opposed to killing animals or eating meat, but that it's like they they misunderstand our motivations. It's like dukes and it. lords and whatnot exactly. running around in little suits and shit. Exactly, yeah. and those people are probably never even touching the dead animal. It, it, like maybe if it like arrives on their plate, but they've got like game managers and stuff for that and I know I've had a number of conversations with people in bars and you know in in France and Germany England Italy where where I talk about like you know how how hunting is you know an integral part of the our conservation of these species how we do it for how we do it for meat how it's deeply you know steeped in tradition and it's it's just it's our it's our recreation it's our it's our passion and people come around immediately but at first they're like hunting oh but you yeah. unwashed heathen. It's just it's very foreign to them. It is, yeah. It? People just don't get yeah. it. It's not as cognitive as yeah. it is in America. It's just not. A, it's not as part of, big a part of the culture. It's it's such a small minority there. Far be it for me to be a apologist for the continent of Europe, but <laughs> it's been pointed out to me by uh, listeners in Europe that when we talk about uh, Europe, we're talking about a large extremely diverse area yeah so let's not as though we're talking about england like we say europe but what we're (laughs) kind of mean is like what what i've heard the feedback i've heard from people is they're like you've been to scotland in england and you saw kind of what goes on there in the hunting world and then you extend that to the entire continent right which i've been told is exceedingly ignorant sure sure but, but i still like to do it because it's fun it's not yeah it's not but, a, it's not a monolith it's it's not a monolith no but because there are dudes let's, let's yeah. there are dudes the there are dudes right now there are dudes right now hunting moose on public land in europe oh yeah over the counter and out, and out stomping the freaking marshes for that the one bird i want to get the only yeah. bird i want the only bird i want to get more than an oscillated turkey no the only bird I, the second bird i want to there's no bird I want more than an oscillated turkey. Second to that is one of them big damn Capricelli things. Yeah. They're like, the, it's there a grouse dudes, the size of a turkey. Yeah. There are dudes out there right now skulking around on skis and snowshoes and shit, bushwhacking around trying to find one of those. It's not like, you know, then, you know, in some parts of Europe, the ones I'm more familiar with, like you hire the local poor kids to go out and beat the brush and touch the, because you don't want to have to pick up any birds. So you hire the local poor kids to go pick them up for you. <laughs> then you all go back and have a spot of tea. And uh, <laughs> and they clean them all, but it's like it's a big ass place. Yeah, but there there are some, there are some unifying there are some unifying aspects. Tell I me mean, what maybe, they are. Tell me what they are. Well, that that there isn't really a that there isn't really a, a system of public land by and large okay. in Europe. And, yeah, in, in Scandinavia, and there 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 is there's some kind of de facto public land, but That's it, fair. It, it ends it ends up being it ends up being more and, and it's also and firearms are far more restricted there. So it, it it's it's yeah, it, hunting becomes less a less well, of a, a middle class 
lower class activity as it can be in the United States. I mean, it spans, you know, kind of kind of the entire, you, you, you know, American society. But in, in Europe, it's it's definitely a lot more targeted towards rich people. And fishing's the same way, too. I mean, there isn't there isn't an overwhelming amount of um, of public access to to water in Europe. I, I've fished quite a bit in Europe and you it's always incredibly difficult to uh, you got to go to this one post office in this one town and pay thirty dollars for the stamp to be on this section oh. of river that day. And you've got or you ha- or or I mean, in where wherever it's better, it's you know there's one person who gets to be on that stretch of river that day, and it costs you know fifty euro. And and there will be some public lakes. Usually, salt water is less regulated, but um, I think I think some of our early leaders in the conservation movement that allowed us to to have these large swaths of land that are open to everybody really created something different and the culture just diverged wildly from from over there and and I've talked to I've talked to European hunters quite a bit about this who people who are interested people who are allowed to go shoot pheasants and and rabbits but never dreamed of getting to shoot a deer because that's for that's for the the rich yeah. guys to do. That was a powerful condemnation to Europe. Crean, you know it'd be a great uh, episode. Hey, 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 I love Europe. I got a lot of European <laughs> no, it'd be friends. No, a great episode. Like, Hun's better here. Is we get it hands down. Get some kind of genuine European. A genuine European out of okay. the, about seven hundred fifty million Europeans. Can you find <laughs> him? Genuine European nations. <laughs> who's got like a pan-European? He's from a European country, and he identifies continentally. <laughs> Okay. Good luck. God, we just love to generalize. <laughs> no, nope. yeah. here's what I want to find. Nationalism, but you haven't heard my, you haven't heard my okay. idea yet. Right. This is the anti-generalization. <laughs> okay, got it. Idea, if you if you just give me a second. Okay. So here's what you do as a producer. You find a European from Europe who has <laughs> who has a pan-European interest set. They come on and deliver a crash course. In Europe, meaning like <laughs> this swath of countries, generally this, and here's kind of what, here's what their stereotype is. Like I could go and do it for America. I'd be like, oh yeah, down in the South, you got all these rednecks. All they do is fish catfish. <laughs> <laughs> then over here, you got these, you know, they just fish walleye all the time. Kind of dumb. Out here, it's like. <laughs> You know, Ouch, I could Spencer. I could do I could walk through the U.S. You know, but through through a part yeah, I'd be like Utah. Lens. It's just like you know, they just trophy hunt giant bulls. Arizona, <laughs> they hunt in huge groups of people because there's no tags, and when someone draws a tag, fifty of them have to go. Um, <laughs> and I'll just do a country walkthrough, so, right. or a state by state walkthrough. Similarly, we could do a country by country walkthrough of what <laughs> actually goes on in Europe, and it would be like very educational for me because I might not be so tempted to say what goes on in this little place I went one time and extend it across the continent. All right. I will look for I a think it's single a great person. Idea. <laughs> I, I, I actually have an a expert, guy. An I expert have a on guy Europe. Who, who might okay. be able to speak to that. Because I'll do it right now. In Europe, by which I mean portions of England, <laughs> they actually... Who sip, who which, have, is, which is now a, not part of the European who, Union. Who yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in England, formerly of Europe. Yeah. Uh, uh, they have a thing called a landing mat. You ever hear of this? No. They like to fish uh-huh. carp. Yeah. Yeah. They got yeah, carp with yeah. names on them. Mm-hmm. Huh. And the, the carp have names. Like, like you know, it wouldn't be like old Bessie. That's what we'd call it. They oh, would call okay. it, uh, 
It'll... Ferguson. Walter. Yeah. Ferguson. <laughs> Ferguson the cart. Ferguson the eighth. Uh, they'll have a cart, and then a lot of people will catch them, and they'll always be weighing them. And it'll be like, the biggest cart was one day someone caught old Bessie, and she was like, or Ferguson the eighth. And he was an ounce more than when some other dude caught him. And so they'll be like, well, when I caught Ferguson, he was 31 pounds and three ounces. <laughs> and that'll be like the record. And they have a landing. These guys use a landing mat. You, when you're fishing, you put out like a little rubber brit, like a little rubber ramp out that goes from the beach down into the water. So when you catch Ferguson the eighth, <laughs> you, you, you basically pull him ashore. It's like the red carpet on a landing mat. <laughs> and then, do your whatever you're gonna do to him, not eat him, and then you and then you slide him back down into the pond. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself. And you can find what you need in store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of six sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor recommended prescription and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit. All right. It comes with doctor prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor, no waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. The single most valuable tool I have for chasing turkeys next to my scatter gun is the Onyx Hunt app. If I'm hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. If I'm not hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. I'm always using Onyx. I live by that stuff. 
I can't tell you the number of birds this app has put me on by allowing me to easily find new areas to hunt. It's invaluable. I use it all the time. Even properties I know super well. And I'm at my buddy Bubbly Doug's house. I'm using Onyx, and I've hunted this place a million times. With their compass mode, I can pinpoint exactly on the map where a gobble rang out from and then figure out the perfect spot to set up. Meaning, if I'm sitting there, let's say I'm at Bubbly Doug's, I'm in the navel, and I hear, pow, I'll like instinctively pull up Bubbly Doug's place on, on X, and I'll look at the topography, and I'll be like, oh, that sucker must be over in that little opening over there. Waypoints also, and the ability to share them, okay, comes in handy every spring. Whether that's revisiting old waypoints where I've been on birds before or sharing them, to buddies to help put them on birds. This app will help you find more turkeys. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you too. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this turkey season. Did you know that catch and release is illegal in Germany? Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I, I fished over there a couple years ago and they were uh, – we were, we were fishing a trout stream and it's like a highly managed trout stream. And the guy we were, we were, we were going with, you know, kind of media connection was, was like, and you know, we got all our, we, we had to go to the post office and get our, our fishing license. Then we had to be at the fly shop to get it to, you know, to reserve the beat for the day. And he, when we're all done with everything, he's like, well, here's, here's your license and here's your fish tag. Hmm. And it was like, it was like a interlocking tag, almost like what you'd put on a, like a deer in Alaska. Gotcha. It was plastic though. Um, and we're like, oh, then no, no, that's, that's fine. We're, we're traveling, you know, we're not going to kill a fish. Like what the hell do we do with it? He's like, catch and release is actually not legal in, in Germany. The green party passed that sometime in the, in the nineties. They're like, well, you know, fishing's one thing. Fishing's okay. If you're f- providing food for yourself, but it's, it's animal cruelty to fish just for, just for shits and giggles. Um, so he's like, you have to have this tag with you. You catch and release. You're not allowed to catch and release, but if you catch a fish and take the hook out, and then it happens to get away from you, then it slipped. That's that's all right. <laughs> but I mean, but really? I mean, it was kind of like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of thing. He's like, we like basically said we never kill fish, but it's illegal not to. They got butterfingers. Yeah, but apparently there was a major prosecution about it. Like a few years before that, there was some guy who's uh, like a, a big pike angler. And there's some great pike fishing in Germany. And he had a video on YouTube of him catching a big female pike and reviving it and releasing it. And he actually was prosecuted no. for that, for not killing that fish, which is just, you know, it's just so, it's so interesting how the, how, how, how far apart the cultures are. See, rich and varied continent. Yeah. If in this yeah. episode I'm talking about, Corinne, there'd be a part where this individual would be like, and then you got Germany. Okay. Can't right. let one go. I'll do some research. I was going to ask you guys. I would tell you, I would go to Google and I would type in something like um, <laughs> Europeans <laughs> with a pan-continental interest in the diverse hunting and fishing regulations of the continent. I will use that research approach. And then uh, see what, what pops up. Okay. I'll this got really far removed from I was wondering like how Whiskey Myers music ends up with having European fans. Can I, t- can I say one more thing, though, real quick? <laughs> I, I, I'm dying to know the answer to that. Can you just hold that? I was with my kids yesterday. Uh, you know, they're, like, at home all day because of, of COVID. They haven't been going to school. So they get a little cooped up. 
and I took them out to check on some muskrat dens we were, uh, had heard about. And um, they find a dead brown trout, like a big brown, like a 24-inch brown, stone dead, kind of rotten. They insist it's fresh. <laughs> I'm, across, I'm in my waders, and I'm across the creek from them. And they're hooting and hollering about this fish, and they're going to bring it home and show their mom and eat it. And uh, <laughs> I was like, I wonder. I was explaining to them that, you know, Brown's coming up to spawn and everything. And uh, I was like, I wonder if he's got, if he had gotten a hook in him or something. And that's what caused his demise. And they're like, they report that, yes, he has a hook stuck in his throat. And I said, really? And they're like, yes, it's a silver hook. I go and look at the fish. There is no hook in its throat. We have a big conversation about there's just like not a hook in its throat. Like I don't understand. That night, he's telling the story to Cal. There's a hook in its throat. (laughs) Just like alternate reality. (laughs) Certain things that get said in the political sphere made a lot more sense to me after that. It's just like (laughs) in his head, there is a hook in that fish's throat. And no absence of a hook is going to make him think otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you want me to make that make sense? It was a European brown. Mm, Great. Brown shutter from Europe. Very good. Brown shutter from Europe. Wow. If you wonder why I brought that up. Okay, ask your question. (laughs) Like, how how does Whiskey Myers develop fans in Europe? Is there, like, a a whole group that likes that sort of music from America? Yeah, they like American music. Uh, Most part of them are really like, like... Kind of the classic rock sound or the southern rock sound. It's it's kind of very big over there right now, and so I guess the internet. Well, do and, they do they view they? <laughs> <laughs> the seven hundred and fifty million people. Um, do they? Uh, okay, if I like a band, mm-hmm. I might like them for years, and then one day be like, oh shit, I didn't know they're from wherever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't change, okay? Like, I like some stuff. I like an album by M83. I didn't know they were French, or the guy was from France. Then later, I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Guy was from France. Now you don't like him. No, love him. <laughs> I'm just saying, does it even matter? Like, do, do If you have fans in Europe, are they like, uh, you know, I like music, and then there's some American music I like. Or would it just, like, you know what I mean? Like, does it even, like, a thing? I think it's it's a thing. Like they recognize, the, 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 I like music from, from the southern yep. United States. Yeah, I think so. Mm. A, a, at least a big part of our fan base over there, they they're looking for that. They like the idea like that the we're ge- from not Texas. only America, but that part of America. Like yeah. cowboy like, culture. I like rock from southern yeah. France. It just isn't something I would ever. <laughs> no. There's one of our distributors over there that explained it to me one day. It was just him and I, and he was like, uh, he's like, you know, he said over here, he said they don't have a South. He said they're they're mm-hmm. like infatuated with the way y'all talk and the, and how it comes out and all that. So mm-hmm. it's really cool. You know, they don't have that over there. They don't have a bunch of, yep. you know, the way we talk and stuff just shakes them up. <laughs> did you guys growing up, did you grow up hating Northerners? No. No. <laughs> can you can you goof on how we talk? Yeah. Oh, Go yeah. ahead. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> I'm not going to goof on how you guys talk. Uh, I can't do it. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. You want a Steve impression? Is that what you're No, no. Not, no, no. <laughs> when you, okay. When I was growing up, if we wanted to talk about a dude, bad about a dude from the South, we had a way we would do it. Right. Right. 
So ours would just be like a O oh, or the A, like your O's are different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we had a guy there today. He's like, <laughs> oh, Wisconsin. yeah, big yeah. box. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, dude, I don't know anybody <laughs> sounds like that. So anyways, I told, you know, if I tell him like how they sound, they're like, but I don't know anybody that sounds like that. But do for us, when you were a little kid and you were shit talking Yankees, do for us how they would, like I could be like, let's say I was, I was, I'd be like, um, Shit, I can't do it now, man. It's hard. <laughs> Let me think about it for a minute. Do do goofing on Northerners. Don't act like you don't goof so, on Yankees. Okay, here's a good example. We had a bus driver that was from Wisconsin, and he had a real thick accent, and he drank a lot of Mountain Dew. I don't know why. <laughs> but so every That's a Northern drink. Every time we were going to bus call, he'd be like, he would call me, and I would answer the phone. I'd say, hello. Hey, Chris, you think you could drop by the store and grab me a couple of Mountain Dews, bro? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, dude. So I'm that's what we sound like. Yeah, and the fact that he wanted me to get his Mountain Dew for him, I'm like, why yeah. can't you do it? Or like, uh, <laughs> he go, was cool, though. Go catch some walleye. Yeah, some walleye. <laughs> See, when we're talking about Southerners, one of our favorite, my favorite stories is one of Yanni's stories. I kind of like stole his story. So Yanni's turkey hunting somewhere in the South or something. I don't know what he's doing. He's turkey hunting somewhere. And a guy pulls up, rolls his window down, hocks out a, like, cascade of chew spit <laughs> and then says y'all hear any turkeys gobble <laughs> <laughs> and that to us um that to us symbolize <laughs> <laughs> you're not far off you're not, not far off <laughs> no, 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 yeah mine sucked yours was good well i hit a couple more like goof on northerners for a minute oh that that was kind of like my... what's the impression right I had a guy the other day. You tell me, oh yeah, like he, he says he's kind of like a northerner. He's kind of pretentious. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, like southern heart, a little bit more homey, friendly. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, Warm. I don't know. I mean, honestly, we didn't really know about northerners whenever we were. Yeah, know, we you know, never like, even we, left our county we, until yeah. we got the band. Oh, we haven't gotten into that. Hold on, real quick. So you grew up hunting, fishing. Yeah. How did and you grew? Your parents listened to music. Yeah. But how did it ever occur to you to like play some music? So that was the first damn question we yeah, were supposed to talk so, about. Yeah, um, so my grandfather on my my mom's side, he was kind of wild, you know. He wasn't around <laughs> a lot. You you didn't see him a lot, you know. Because he, he was what? He was just out there, you know, getting <laughs> it. Uh, kind of like the the biker and the you know just a little bit edgy, you know. So you wouldn't see him a lot. He'd go away for long spells of time. Yeah, kind of like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he, I don't know that I understand, I but I kind of understand. <laughs> but he he, he kind of played the guitar a little bit, you know, or he had a guitar. And uh, I guess one time I had told him when I was younger, I was like, I, you know, that's cool. I would learn how to love to learn how to do that. And then years later, when I was about sixteen, uh, he left the guitar at like uh, my grandparents' house. Like he just showed up and left oh, that sorry, guitar there. I thought he was your grandparent. Well, yeah, so it would have been uh, her her mom. So he would have been my mom's dad, which way were, they were divorced, you know. So, oh, But he uh, left I'm it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm not saying you're being complicated. I'm just not. Yeah. I'm, okay. Your mother's father. Yes. But he was divorced from – your grandmother and grandfather were divorced. Yes. I understand. Yeah. Okay. So he just kind of came by. I don't even know if he even talked Why to anybody. Why did they get divorced? Oh, I don't know. That's way before <laughs> I was born. Uh, probably because he's wild. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but he just years later, for some reason, he he left that guitar on like their their porch or something. And I don't know if he told them or I can't like because it was for you. Yep. Huh. So he and, remembered that time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I 
picked it up and kind of started learning so how So he to... didn't come over and show you how to use it. He just no. left it out. Yeah. <laughs> it was just left for me. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I went and got it, and I started learning how to do little chords and things like that. And then um, John Jeffers, our guitar player, um, I took it over there one day. And I don't even know if he knew, but like his his dad played guitar. At what age for is this? Teens? 16, 17. Okay. Um, and I took it over there, and, and his dad actually like knew how to play guitar and stuff. And I don't know even know if we knew that. <laughs> and like evidently, his dad was kind of you always played music, and his mom, you know, his mother had been in a band, you know, and he he probably knew that, but I didn't. Um, you know, when they were younger, and then his dad showed us how to play guitar when we were like 16 or 17. Like, like showed you how, as in you started really focusing or he's like, it basically works like this. A little of both probably, but yeah, just showing us like, Hey, this is like this. And he was playing and and just taught us some stuff. And then it just kind of grew from there really. But that's, that's how I got into music because my grandpa left a guitar. You still have it? It got stolen. What? Hmm. Guitars get stolen a lot, so I don't have that anymore. Where did it get stolen from? So I, it was in my my. We had a suburban that we toured in at that time. We How long ago was this, Cody? Years and years okay. ago when we first okay. started, and seven or eight. Probably. Oh, yeah. So I'd left it in there and went inside the house, and the the window was messed up on the suburban. It would always fall. <laughs> you remember that? Oh, it yeah. wouldn't. And like I'd went back inside the house, and our dog died. It died that day or something. So. I went and was like messing with the dog, ended up having to bury it and stuff. And I went back outside and somebody stole the guitar. While you're in Oof. burying a dead yeah. dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My daughter's fish died last night. Yeah. And that's how that happened. And it was gone. So the the window was just like, it would always fall down. I don't know if somebody just had, it was in a neighborhood at that time. I lived in Tyler. Slipped out of the track. And it, yeah, it was around the time they were, they were stealing a lot of stuff. So somebody was just walking by and maybe seen it and just, I just left it in there. It wasn't even very long. What a I shitty back day. And they, they had stole that guitar. I'd and they never found it. that guitar. <laughs> yeah. Man. Never found it. We looked, uh, we looked around in uh, pawn shops and everything like oh. that. And so, and it was one of those things where I was like taking stuff in and then, you know, ended up having to deal with that. And I was like, oh shit, I got to get my stuff. Out of the car. Stole your grandfather. Cody, what, it was what gone. Kind of, what kind of guitar? What it look like? What's the make? It was, so maybe it was just any, a, it maybe was, any listener it was a super of this podcast. One. Yeah, it was just an old uh, Tacomani guitar, and it had a uh, it did have a cigarette burn on it. All right, I so, guess would be from him. So it did have a cigarette burn on it, but it it didn't have any unique features other than that. It was just you know. Oh, it's so depressing, what, man. Yeah, but that's a true story, man. So for any listeners out there. That's how Be we started the, the band. Lookout. What color was it? Yeah. Just the regular. I don't even know what color. Just like it. Just classic guitar. Yeah. Whatever classic the hell the guitars are. Black pit guard. It had a, a cigarette burn under, I believe, under the pit guard. You know, like where your fingers would sit if you sure. were holding a Dude, cigarette. man, we should do like a national yeah. effort to get your Seriously. That was, and that was like contact <laughs> meat either if you find a well, guitar in the pawn shop. You want to hear another alarming burn. theft story? Uh, we reported on this. My brother and his buddy were fishing in Alaska and they got their uh they had some engine problems and they got their boat flipped and swamped up against a log when the water was real high and they hung a buoy off it and the rain kept coming and they were waiting for the water to get down so they could go back and retrieve their boat and they just went back to get it it's gone only thing left is two t-posts sunk in the bank where someone had rigged up some leverage points to jack it out of there Stole their freaking boat. 
With, with Are you sure that person salvage. thought of it as theft, though? And they weren't like they might have thought getting it was, garbage. They might have thought it was a salvage deal, but they sure as shit didn't call the police and say, we found a boat. If you found a boat sunk against the log with a buoy tied to it, and you had to go out and get some T-posts and sink them in and come along it off there, you don't. You wouldn't get a slight feeling like I wonder whose shit. boat this is? <laughs> uh, you're getting a reward in that case. Uh, on my brother's road. So he used to live down, he used to live by this little, uh, that's kind of a weird story. Never mind. <laughs> I was going to tell you a drug car theft story, but it's just a long ass story without getting into too many details. My brother's buddy gets his truck stolen and he's suspicious of a, of a little meth house down the road. He's suspicious of the inhabitants of a little meth house down the road. But he does a police report and all that. Eventually gets a call from the cops. His truck's been abandoned a couple hours away at a gas station. And the cop says, oddly, they abandoned your truck and stole the gas station attendant's car. He says, what do they drive? They drive or whatever the hell it was. He goes and looks out his window. He's like, yep, it's parked. <laughs> <laughs> scooby dude, that thing, man. <laughs> it's parked down the road at the house of the people I suspected of stealing my truck. <laughs> did, did they upgrade or was it insulting? Like that they I, don't remember, the de- I don't remember the details, oh, but man. it was just some sly, some sly uh, you know, burglary. Not as sly as they thought. Uh, so w- what happens next? I, you guys are screwed because you can't tour and make money doing it. Yeah. Everything. Are you? Are you like? Like, what happens now? How do you be? A, how do you be an independent rock band in the time of COVID? Well, we can be that because we are independent and we get royalties. We own our masters, you know. So we. So you still have would, income. I think we would have yeah a lot harder time if we weren't independent. Is that uh, right? Yeah. yeah, we're gonna hopefully start up next year. We stopped in like February when everything, you know, everything started closing down. They started canceling shows. And then we were going to go back on the road in like July. Everything was supposed to kick back up in July and all that. And they had, you know, shows still booked, you know, throughout the year. And we would get close two or three weeks out and they'd cancel. And it just kept happening, kept happening, kept happening every time. Mm-hmm. We'd have to cancel right at the last minute. And I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> like, cancel the rest of the year. We'll get we'll get back at it next year. We're just gonna move, you know. And so we just moved everything from this year to the next year. Yeah, because it was just it was obnoxious being like, oh, you got to come back to work, you know, telling people they had to come back to work at certain times and and things like that. And then it canceled. And then you're telling the fans we're gonna be here. They buy tickets, you cancel. And so it was just one of those things where it's like, and I don't want to deal with like the twenty five percent capacity and all that. It's like, sure, let's just wait a couple months and maybe we can go back at it full steam and have good shows where you can rock and everything and you're not sitting out with mask on spread out at your table and it was just like why not we've been on the road non-stop for 12 13 years i think you know we can take a few months off have you been enjoying the time off yeah i have mm-hmm. been probably doing more uh more hunting and fishing than normal yeah i have I've been fishing a lot, and then yeah, I just been started hunting. You know, hunting season just opened a couple of weeks ago. Or Did you fish through the years. summer a lot. Yeah, yeah. I don't fish a lot in like August because it's just it's miserable. Too hot down there. Yeah, I think so. And then the fish start kind of suspending and doing some different things. They're just kind of funky. 
you know, mm. that August and September kind of the transition in there, it's just a little bit funky and I, I needed to like start writing again and working on the, the new album. Gotcha. So, but when both season rolled around, I've been hunting a lot. So, um, tell people cause they can't come see you right now. Tell people like what, like what, what works for you best for people to want to go explore your music, you know? Um, you tell people, oh, just go on Spotify, man. Yeah, that, something Apple, better? Apple Music, our website, just all social media outlets. Tell people your website. Yeah, whiskeymyers.com. Just really what's what's ever convenient for them. They mm-hmm. want to buy a record, they got a record player, buy a record. They want to stream it, do that, you know. Did you guys get your ducks cleaned yesterday? Yep, we did. Wouldn't you like to have a place like that place? <laughs> yeah, they had it going on, man. <laughs> That, I've never hosed down a, a room before. That was uh, yeah. that, That's just just set up for for cleaning ducks. That was he wild. had it going on. Um, yeah, that, he's got a uh, he's got a pretty special place. A lot of lot of love and attention went into. Yeah, just for, the for, amount of for game. making a making making duck country. Yeah, we seen. I mean, how many deer and pheasant and everything else did we see? Just besides the, I don't even I. Tried to explain how many ducks we seen, and I was like, "I have no idea." You're saying no it idea. makes it hard Thousands. to like get up at three in the morning and go and put your boat in and drive up and get to fight with some other duck hunters and <laughs> get two ducks and yeah, this <laughs> wasn't just... like that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, well, it was it was so funny in the morning too that we were all set up in that blind, all get our deeks out, all our all our stuff nicely stashed, and then we have the side by side roll up. You're in the wrong blind. Get in with me. We're going to the other one. Yeah, we're all. They already out. have limits, and we're like, what? We killed, I thought we were kicking. We ass. killed four. I thought we were doing good. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm like, yeah, we're we're talking a couple yeah. in here. We're getting some okay shots. We got a couple ducks yeah. in the blind. And he's like, oh, they already got like 21 birds. Yeah, I was like, oh, I, th- I think we're doing fine, man. I'm having a good Felt time. Good. We're seeing a lot of a lot of birds. And he's like, oh no, y'all need to move. Yeah, Crit, but then Crit we got was, over there. We got it. Yeah, real quick. It was they wanted to be right there. Was it that was, your first? Was that your first duck, Corinne? Uh, that was my third duck. Yeah, oh, your third duck. Yeah, I I went on my first uh, duck hunt. Or actually, no. Well, I went on a duck hunt with some of y'all last year. Yeah, I knew year. you went, but yeah. I didn't know that you got my one. first. My first actual duck. Uh, I went out with um, Hansi. Our, did he let you hose one Hansi. off the water, or did you has you only done trying to wing shoot him? Well, we were. I mean, I loved it. I was. We were in the muck, so we um we canoed in or canoed out and set up a bunch of decoys, and we were hiding, you know, underneath the the reeds. And so they were there were some. God, I'd missed a bunch, and then we were all taking a break and eating, and then. A couple were kind of flying high. Maybe I shouldn't have taken the you shot. You hail married at them. I just, like, I didn't even tell anyone I was going to take the shot. I probably should have. Like, everyone had beef jerky in their mouths, and they were chatting, and I just saw a bird come from left to right, and I just shot it, and it went down. What was it? A uh, ganser? No, it was... Um, what are you looking at? You got it written down? No, I'm thinking oh. about... <laughs> I'm staring into space and trying to... Get it from my mom's my mind's eye. Uh, the black feathers with kind of the white outline. Widgeon. That's yeah. the widgeon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So um I was down there a couple of days before she was there getting a lot of widgeon. Yeah. So and then my second one was was also widgeon. It was like coming to land. Oh. It was it was it was pretty low. It was coming to land among 
the decoys, and uh, it was almost like it was, I mean, it was just a couple of feet off the surface of the water when I got it. It was a pretty easy shot, but I just, you know, it was kind of like, <laughs> I felt like that duck was landing in and about to be like, hey, Bob, hey, Joe, what's up? And then they're like mannequins, not saying anything. To oh, I always wonder about that. I always wonder about that interaction <laughs> yeah, when a duck lands in the spread, no. and after a minute he's like, "These people are all dead." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he's like, because they, they kind of get like a very they land and they start to get like an <laughs> uneasy like, feeling. They start looking around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those are those are my first two the other week. They're like, I don't know, something just yeah, seems just a little feel, weird. And then, like, and then the lights go out. Yeah. Um, but no, yes, yesterday was my was my third duck. I uh, missed I missed a shit ton, and and Chris had to Chris finished off like a handful of my birds for me. But there was one that was just a clean shot. How are you gonna cook up like the, the ducks you got yesterday? Yep. Do you have any like from your mother? Do you have any Chinese influenced uh, duck recipes that you try, or do you mm. just cook like whatever? Everybody yeah, else my does? mom was not. My mom did like a certain number of things well um never like peking duck that that's a couple day uh effort um but i do have like an old school chinese cooking uh, cookbook um are you gonna try something like that i may um dude you're you're i think your groove should be like chinese wild game man (laughs) Yeah. yeah i mean i have a friend i have a friend in town a dear friend in town linda who is um a a a chef from Shanghai and I was going to ask her to maybe help me out with a, with a thing, but yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's what I, what I have to do with at least one of my ducks. What? I don't know if these have enough fat on them. I haven't processed. Yeah, they're not yeah, like, they're not like they get a little yet. bit later, yeah. but when you say your mom did some things well, do you mean that cooking wasn't yeah. one of them or she did some oh, dishes well? Some... But... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, no, some, some dishes. She well. did some dishes yeah, well, some but, dishes but did well. not do peaking duck. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't really know how many people do that at home. That's kind mm-hmm. of like you go to Chinatown and you, you buy them. What's that, uh, what's that Chinese preparation for duck that you see in Chinatown in New York where they have them, they're glazed. Yeah. That's, that's, they, that's hang- the Peking duck. Oh, that yeah. is mm-hmm. where they're hanging up glazed. Sure. Holy yeah. shit. Is no, that, that good, man? That's the, you know, and, and I used to buy those things. They'd kind of cut them up with a cleaver. Yep. Yep. Exactly. It's like you, you, you have all these ducks hanging in the window, shiny, they're crispy. They're oh my God. Fat. That's good, man. And then you so like good. stand in line and it's like the guy with a freaking huge ass cleaver, just like chop, 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 chop. And then it's just like, they pile all this greasy, just delicious duck with sauce. And like, there's some slight, um, I would say like different spices. Some, some folks might do more of like a five spice and they're, you know, slight variations. Um, but I think, I think we need to think about a recipe like that. Yeah, holy episode. shit, yeah. is that good, man? Yeah. Um, that used to be uh, that was like a favorite thing to do when go, to go, you know, in New York, we'd yep. go find those ducks hanging yep, in those totally. windows. Totally. Yep. When you guys were uh, playing in New York, did you did you do some peeking duck in Chinatown? It's not like a wild duck, man. Whoa yeah. Hop. Right. No. Yeah. Whoa hop. Yeah. 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 Oh, what'd you do? Whoa hop. This restaurant called Whoa Hop. It's in Manhattan. That's so, the one you like. Chinatown. Yeah. yeah. It's very awesome. If you're ever there, get some duck there. Hey, something just, something just occurred to me, Chris. With no Turin, and you being the tour manager, <laughs> time's getting hard? 
Oh yeah, but well, yeah, but like Cody said, I mean, we've been enjoying it, hunting and fishing. It's been great. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. It just hit me. It's like, oh, that's a tour manager. Yeah, you look healthy. Tour manager. <laughs> I'm probably healthier than when we're on the road. <laughs> well, they toured all the way up here. We've been hanging out on their bus every day when I picked them up. That's good. It's a cool ass bus, dude. Man, Steve. Steve asked Corinne about shooting a duck off the water before, and you know, referring to like Northerners making. Fun of Southerners and Southerners making fun of Northerners. I'm from South Dakota. We would refer to that or like shooting a dove off a power line is Arkansasing something. Well, that's because the old uh, Arkansas boats. Uh, <laughs> is that is what? that okay, is that what you guys? That's would, not. That's from the old market hunter days. That's not like a goofing on the south, like the punt guns. But like, yeah. would yeah. you guys? Would you guys call? What, what would you refer to that as? I would, I I would be so tickled if you said that. that that's Arkansas. I like that, though. <laughs> you, guys, like you guys don't know about thing. calling it Arkansas on a bird? No. Or if I you never said like that either. That's Michigander and something. That's sluicing where I'm from. Yeah, but, I, dude, we'll, we'll report back on this, okay. the etymology. But I, I understand from my father, it has something to do. It's like a reference to a type of rig used by market hunters. No, I, it's I not would, like, you know, those... Mm, Idiots down in Arkansas. That's, that's not what I that. would prefer. I would prefer like these guys. We from still Texas. say Arkansas. It. Yeah, I know, but I would prefer that they call it like, oh, that's uh, that's Sconey and something. Like someone from Wisconsin would do that. I'm gonna call it Arkansas on it. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of friends in Arkansas. So yeah, do they I'm, call it Arkansas in Arkansas? We need to call Clay Newcomb. Newcomb. Clay Newcomb. Newcomb. Yeah. You know what? I, I can message him right now. Maybe we'll have an answer by the end of the podcast. No, because I'm wrapping it up. Right. <laughs> you got to come back on, Spencer, and report back after you talk to that dude who got all the elk shot okay. off his place. Okay. All right, Whiskey Myers. Find them at whiskeymyers.com. That's a good URL for you guys. Yeah, it works. <laughs> it's not confusing. Um, Spotify didn't go find you. Yep, Spotify. Do you got your own playlist on there? Yep. You're talking to the wrong person by internet <laughs> stuff, man. I, I, I don't savvy. But don't we, got savvy an, we got an affirmative. We yep. got an affirmative from uh, the other Chris. I think we got everything, man. All right, guys. Thanks so much for coming on. It was fun hanging out. Should Thank probably quit you. chewing that tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> um, it may be in the next life. Well, yeah, because if your lip gets a hole routed through it, you're going to sound way different. Yeah. I might whistle more when I sing. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to become one of them professional whistlers. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Take care.
Hey, I'm excited to share our newest sponsor here on the Meat Eater Podcast, which is Poncho Outdoors. The reason I'm excited is I buy their shirts anyways. Dude, they make some good shirts. And they even have an option where if you're like a skinny dude, you can click like the skinny dude thing. It's great. Based in Austin, Texas, Poncho is committed to crafting the world's best outdoor shirts for men. Poncho is only sold on their own website. So head over to ponchooutdoors.com, use code MEATEATER for a free hat or t-shirt with any purchase of a shirt. Poncho offers free shipping and returns, so you can try them out risk-free. Montana Casting Company is a performance fly rod and reel company based right here in our capital, Helena, Montana. Each model of fly rod is a tribute to Montana's rugged beauty and adventurous spirit. Their rods capture the look, feel, and craftsmanship of a custom-built fly rod. Scott personally calls every customer who buys one of his rods. Head to montanacastingco.com and use code MEATEATER20 at checkout for a one-time 20% off discount. 